I'm a broken record when I say this. God can use anyone, any place, any time. I say it so much because I've seen it. I'm living it. I'm smoking what I'm selling when it comes to that line. Yet people still come to me and they ask me all the time, no matter how many times I teach it, no matter how many times I talk about it, somebody will come to me every single time, and it's happened every single time of this series, and they'll say, Gary, I've heard you, but you just don't know what I've done. Gary, I hear you, I get it, that God uses messy people, but I'm telling you there's no way God can use me. I can't forgive myself, and there's no way that God can forgive me. It's amazing the amount of guilt that we place upon ourselves. It's amazing that we know God forgives us, and it's amazing that we can forgive others, but we can't forgive ourselves for our own actions. And somewhere along the way, we've bought into the lie that our mess negates our ministry. But God doesn't work like that. God takes an island of misfit toys. God takes those that everyone looks at and asks, how can they be used? And God uses those people for greatness. And we've been talking about that this month. And we've been going and doing character studies throughout this month and looking at the messed up people that God used. We, we've been talking about how the disciples were messed up and how the people in the Old Testament were messed up and, and how the people in the New Testament were messed up and, and how God doesn't look for perfection. He looks for those that are simply available. I try with every sermon that I do, I try to back it up with as much Scripture as I can because I, I get so many times the way we go about church is very unorthodox. The way I teach is very unorthodox, especially if you grew up in church and people struggle with that sometimes. So, so I always want to make sure in, in the midst of it being unorthodox, we're also grounding it in the Scripture. But i got to be honest with you. I'm almost to the point where I don't know what to do anymore to convince some of you that God can use you. I've shown example after example. I've shown you the men that God has used. I have shown you the women that God has used. I have shown you that God has used murderers. He's used whores. He's used adulterers. He's used liars. He's used thieves. And everything in between. And He's used those people for His purposes. Yet some of you are so busy in your self-loathing that you think God can't use you. So today is my last attempt I give up. You have reached the point with me after 11 years, you have beat me down. No more trying to convince. If today's story doesn't show you that God can use anyone, including you, I, I don't know what to do. But I think it's a huge issue. I, I think it's an important issue because I believe with everything that is in me, the people in this room have the ability to create a movement in our city. We live in a day and time 
where people are sick and tired of the church. They're sick and tired of religion. They're sick and tired of the fakeness. And here's the thing. They're not anti-Jesus. They're anti-the church. They're tired of the fakeness, the hypocrisy, the judgmental behavior, the fakeness of what goes on in so many places. And they're looking for something that is authentic. They're looking for something that is real. They're looking for a bunch of people who don't fake it and act like they have it all together. But in the midst of their mess, in the midst of their chaos, in the midst of flaunting it on the front porch that, hell, we're crazy as can be, God still uses us. Until this day, listen to me, until I find something that is more powerful in impacting people than the local church, I'm going all in on the local church. I've never seen a group that you can gather to feed those in need, house those in need, provide places of safety for those in need. There's power when the local church is clicking, but the local church is full of people who are inactive. They, They don't feel like they can be used, and therefore they're doing nothing with the gifting that God has called them to be. They bought into the lie that they've messed up and can't be used, and it's the greatest lie of Satan. What a genius thing to take people and make them think they're their actions. But God can use you. He can use anybody. I believe the group in here can eradicate hunger in our community. I believe we can eradicate addiction in our community. I believe we can eradicate those needing clothing in our community. But it's going to take people realizing that God has a gifting in them. It's going to take people to realize in the midst of their hurts, their habits, and their hang-ups that God can, and not only can He, He wants to use them. So today we're going to go to Numbers 22, and I'm going to show you that God can use anyone. Here we're introduced to a guy named Balaam. There was a, a sorcerer named Salem, and he was, he, he was for hire. And, and Salem was going out, and people would pay him to, to do curses and pay him to do certain things. He would cast out curses. He would cast out blessings to people in exchange for money. So the Israelites are getting ready to attack Moab. And King Balak hires him to come in and curse Israel. All night, God appears to him and tells him not to do it. And he decides to do it anyway. He decides anyway he's going to set out on this journey... Because the money's good, even though God's telling him not to go and put the curse out there, he's going to do it anyway, so he sets out, he packs his things, and he gets on his donkey, and he begins to travel to where the money is. He begins to travel where they're going to pay him to curse the people of Israel. Let's pick up there. It says, Balaam got up in the morning, Numbers 22. He saddled his donkey, and he went with the Moabite officials, those that were going to pay him. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. So Balaam sets out. The angel of the Lord stands there to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it. Beat who? Beat the donkey. Who saw the donkey? Uh, who saw the angel of the Lord? The donkey did. Balaam beat it to get back on the road. 
Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow pathway through the vineyard with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, who saw the angel of the Lord, the donkey did. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Two times the angel of the Lord appears. Two times the donkey sees the angel of the Lord. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in the narrow place where there was no room to turn, either in the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Balaam is on his way. He's going to get paid to put out, put curses on the children of Israel. God comes to him in the night and tells him not to do it. He decides to do it anyway. Boy, is that not just like us. God tells us not to do something, but we know better and we're going to do it anyway. So he sets out on the road and three times the angel of the Lord. God will warn you over and over. Do not miss that. He will warn you over and over until he's not going to warn you anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a, that, I should do a whole series on this story. Three times the donkey sees him. What verse are we at? Verse 27. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord later, he lay there. So now they, the donkey just lays down. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam. Who said to Balaam? The donkey. You are going to read this in your best Eddie Murphy voice. It is what it is. You immediately are going to go to Shrek and that's how you're going to read this because the donkey's talking. What have I done to you to make you beat me three times. The donkey is talking. And Balaam, I don't know if this is a normal thing, because Balaam doesn't seem troubled by it. Or he's on some good stuff. Balaam answered the donkey, you've made a fool of me. Can't stand to be made a fool out of, especially by a donkey. If, and then he threatened, if I only had a sword in my hand... I'd kill you right now. He's talking to the donkey. The donkey said to Balaam, can't you just picture this donkey sounding just like, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? He's like, have you not had me forever? Do I ever do this before? Like, I'm asking you some logical questions. Maybe there's a reason I'm doing what I'm doing. No, Balaam said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low, and he fell face down. Now Balaam can see the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is reckless one before me. The donkey saw me, and he turned away from you these three times. If he had not turned away, I certainly would have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. I certainly, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. I would have killed you, but I would have killed the donkey. I would have saved the donkey. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you were displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went out with Balak's official. He said, go, I want you to go. But I'm going to tell you what to speak to these men. God tells him not to do something. He decides to do it. He's riding the donkey. The angel of the Lord comes three different times to block him. And three different times the angel, the donkey sees the angels. 
and goes off course. Balaam begins to beat the donkey, and the donkey says, Hey, had enough of that. Why are you beating me? In the end, the angel of the Lord said, If it wasn't for this donkey, I would have killed you. The donkey saved Balaam's life. And all the things that God could have used, he chose to use the donkey to fulfill his purposes. God decides if Balaam will not listen, I'll use a donkey. Now, I just read all that out of what is called the New International Version of the Bible. It's what I preach from. It is a more modern translation. If you were to ever go back and read this in the King James Version of the Bible, it was written back in 1611, and they didn't call donkeys donkeys, and here's what it would say. Numbers 22, verse 28, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. He said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee, that thou hast smitten me these three times? Apparently it was a Shakespearean donkey. The Lord opened the mouth of the ass. I want to preach to you today, if God can use a dumb ass, he can use you. If God can use a dumb ass, he can use you. If God can use a jackass, he can use you. If God can use a whole ass, he can use you. Tell me that God cannot use you. I don't know what you've done or what you've been through. Here's what I do know. God's used an ass. He can use you. The problem is you don't want to be used. The problem is you're not willing to be used. The problem has nothing to do with your past. The problem has nothing to do with your mistakes. The problem has nothing to do with your thoughts. The problem has nothing to do with your education. The problem has nothing to do with other than the fact you're not willing to be used. You're looking for excuses to be used. But Gary, you don't know. He used an ass. We're in good company. Look to the person to the right and say, God used an ass. Go ahead. It's okay, white folks. I know it's church, but you can look, turn to the, I want you to say it a little bit louder. Look to the person to the right and say, God used an ass. I want you to look to the person. Hey, I'm not cussing today. This is Bible. I didn't write the book. Look to the person to your left and say, God can use an ass. Now look back to the person to your right and say, so God can use you. Now look back to your left and say, so God can use you. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. Cut the excuses on why you can't be used. Admit you're not willing to be used. Because God's used an ass, He can use you. God uses who He wants to use, when He wants to use them, and the way in which He chooses to use them. We don't have to be the most educated. We simply have to be the most available. And that's what I want you to know, number one, He used an ass because the ass was available. Sometimes you use the ass because the ass is available. Now, you can read into that what you want to read into it today. I don't know, you bunch of freaks, but what I'm telling you today is is sometimes the ass is the only thing you can use. He looked at and said, Balaam's not willing to listen. 
The servants aren't willing to listen. I've got to stop him from going and cursing the Israelites. Look at that, the ass is available. I'm going to use the ass. It's a crazy story. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Before there was donkey and Shrek, there was the ass of Balaam. He's going to go curse God's people. He's looking for somebody to use. He's looking for something to use as God was looking around for someone to stop it, for someone to get through to Balaam. The only person he sees as an option might not be the most qualified, might not be the most educated, might not even been the smartest. I mean, it was an ass after all, but it was a donkey who was available to be used. Look what it says in verse 23, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the sword drawn his hand, it turned off the road. The ass was available. Verse 25, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. The ass was available. Numbers 22, verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam. The ass was available. I got good news for you today, Action Church. The ass was available, which means God can use you. You simply have to be available to be used. If God can use an ass, he can use you. And we got some asses in this church. You say, who? Look to your right. Look to your left. We're a church of jackasses. We are what we are. I've been called a lot of things, and probably the, the, the number one thing people say about me in this community is, man, Gary's weird. He's the nicest asshole I've ever met. When you, lead, when you are an ass as a leader, you get asses that are followers. But God can use us. Stop that. God is using us. He used a donkey because he was available. The donkey didn't have time to worry about his pedigree. He didn't have time to worry about the fact that he couldn't communicate. He didn't have time to think and say, man, who am I to stop this guy? I'm just an ass. He saw an angel of the Lord standing there and he knew he had to take action. He needed something done and God knew he was going to use whoever could make sure his purposes were fulfilled. God is not looking. Do not miss this today. God is not looking for the most qualified. Because most of the time, the most qualified are not available. They're not willing to do what needs to be done. He's looking for the most available. The only requirement for God to use you is simply, are you willing to be used? There is no other requirement. God's not concerned with your education. God's not concerned with your upbringing. God is not concerned with your thought life. God is not concerned with how much money you have in the bank. God is not concerned with the actions that you are doing. He used a book full of people who, by the standards of today, the church wouldn't even allow to darken the doors. And God said, that's who I'm going to use. And they were not used because they were the most qualified. They were used because they were the most available. See, the church has got to stop thinking like the world. The world looks for pedigree. The world looks for education. The world looks for perfection. And God says, I'm just looking for someone who's willing to be used. I I'm just looking for someone who's dumb enough or ass enough to say, you know what, he's God and I'm not. I don't understand what he's called me to do. I don't understand how I'm going to be able to do what he's called me to do. But he's called me to do it, and I'm willing to be available to do it. 
God says, if I have to use an ass, I'll use an ass. I'm here to tell you today, man, that God can and will use you. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. God's not concerned about the color of your skin. Let me, let me upset some of you a little bit more when it comes to who God uses. God's not concerned about your sexual preference. God's not cared about your social standing in the context of who he can use. I had a guy come to me about three months ago. And he said, man, I'd like to be a greeter. I said, okay. He said, well, I need you to know something. I said, okay. He said, well, I'm gay. I said, okay. I said, so for the fact that you're into dudes means you can't say hello to someone at the front door? He looked at me dumbfounded. Well, what? I said, I, I'm just trying to figure out the angle here. I said, can you say hello to someone at the front door? Uh-huh. I said, you're qualified. With anyone to argue with. But, but, no buts. God's using ass. He can use you. Go stand at the door and say hello. The guy had PTSD from church world telling me he couldn't be used. He was good enough to come sit in the church and be counted in their numbers. He was good enough to put money in the offering plate when it got passed. Because that gay money is spent by God. But he couldn't stand at the front door and say hello. He told me, he said, every church says, man, we welcome everyone and they welcome me until I really want to be part of the family. And so he starts arguing me. I finally said, I said, here's the deal. We'll use you or we won't use you. It's really up to you. I'm not going to sit here for 30 minutes arguing with you. You came to me. Tears were coming down his face. And he legitimately just couldn't believe that he could be used. And God uses messed up people. And it's time for the church to quit dictating what the world says in regards to what's messed up. It's time for the church to quit worrying about people who sin differently than we sin. God can use an ass. He can use anybody. The Bible says in Matthew 20, 16, so the last will be first. And the first will be last. God's looking for those that are available. I run into people all the time who have a clear calling from God and they're doing nothing because they don't think they're qualified to be used. Uh, again, have you not read this book? It's a book that could be retitled The Island of Misfit Toys. It's a book full of people who screwed up along the way. It was a, it's a book full of people who messed up along the way. It's a book full of murderers and liars and thieves and prostitutes and whores and gamblers and, and anything you can think of. And God's using them. Including an ass. You just simply got to be available.
God doesn't see us the way we see ourselves. Thank God for that. God looks at us and we're in the midst of our addiction and we're labeling ourselves an addict and God says, I'm going to use your addiction to reach others. God says, I'm going to use your brokenness to reach others. God says, I'm going to use your failed relationships to reach others. God says, I'm going to use your lowest things in life, the things that almost broke you, and you're going to stop other people from being broke. God God says, I'm going to take your mess, and we're going to make a great ministry out of it. God says, I'm going to lift you up out of the, the miry clay, and I'm going to set your feet on a solid rock, and everyone else around you might not understand, but it doesn't matter what they understand. I anointed you. I called you. I set you apart for a purpose. He says, so I need you to start seeing yourself like I see you. They might bring up your past, but you don't live there anymore. They might bring up your past, but that's not who you are anymore. They might, ain't it funny that they care more about your past than you do? Mm. God's perfect. He don't need you to be. I don't think you heard what I just said. I said God's perfect. He doesn't need you to be. If you don't do it, He'll use an ass. He said in Luke 19, 40, I tell you, if you keep quiet, the stones will cry out. If you don't do it, He said, I'll use rocks. God's looking for the most available. The ass was available. You know something else about the ass, though? The ass ignored the opposition. When you set out to do what God's called you to do, you would think people would stand up and cheer for you. You would think people would be excited for you. You think people would be proud of you. You think people would be encouraged by you, but listen to me, you will face opposition like you have never faced before. Misery loves company. They want to see you fail. They want to see you fall on your face. They want to see you be miserable. They want to see you not be successful. Because you know what? It validates the fact that they're not successful. They don't want to see you follow your calling because it validates the fact that they didn't follow their calling. When you step out to do something big, you can imagine that the opposition will be bigger. Look what happened. Verse 23, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the, with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road in the field, and Balaam beat it to get back on the road. Verse 25, when the donkey of the, saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. When the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat it with the staff. The ass is just doing what he was supposed to do. He saw the angel of the Lord and he was stopping. He saw the angel of the Lord and was trying to save Balaam and the person he's trying to save is beating him down. He's not stepping back and saying, whoa, wait a minute, now this donkey has been with me forever. Why is this donkey acting like this? He's, he's discouraging the donkey from doing what God's telling him to do. I love this part of the story. Three times the ass tries to stop Balaam. And three times, he beats the ass. And the ass keeps going. There's power in ass. He doesn't allow the opposition to stop him from doing what God has called him to do. When God calls you to do something, there's going to be opposition to it. 
When God puts an anointing on you, people are going to downplay it. When you set out and you start following the vision for your life, people are going to criticize it. I don't know why it is, but people hate seeing other people live out their purposes. You would think people would be excited about it. What's so-and-so doing? Well, first of all, why don't you call so-and-so? Well, I don't under I don't care if you understand. Guess what? I don't fully understand. But it ain't my calling. I'm just going to encourage them along the way. Well, you know they're not going to blank, blank. I, not my circus, not my monkeys. Some of you ought to learn that. Instead of you carrying them down, why don't you just encourage them? Because here's the deal. Here, here's the funny thing. Let's say they fall flat on their face and fail. It doesn't affect you. And they might have to fail along the way. To learn along the way. To fulfill their purposes along the way. I fail every day. But I wouldn't be where I am at today without all those failures. Man, people love to criticize what they don't understand. And really, at the end of the day, criticism is just jealousy. You don't got to like that, but you're jealous that your life is so damn miserable. That you have no purpose in life. No calling in life. That you get up every day and live a life that you can't stand. Instead of changing your life, you'd rather criticize everyone for how they're living their life. It's pitiful. And everyone knows you're pitiful for doing it. You think they're laughing because you crack? No, they're laughing because they're uncomfortable because you won't shut up. They're laughing because they're thinking, God, we think the same thing about you. We just don't tell you. We try to encourage you. But if you're going to be used by God and you're going to be an ass, you've got to ignore the opposition. Opposition comes along. When you finally step out and be used by God, you've got to realize that from every single angle, people will like criticize and there'll be opposition. People will tell you all the reasons it won't work, can't work, and shouldn't work. People will tell you how they've tried it and failed. You remind them you're not them, you're an ass. And an ass don't care about the opposition. I don't know why, but for every one positive, you will get ten negatives. Press on. For every one encouragement, you'll get ten discouragements. Press on. And it's just not people. Opposition's not always just people. There'll be opposition in, in, in financing, opposition in distribution, opposition from city council, opposition from trademark lawyers, opposition from whatever it is. It comes from every side. And here's the reality of the situation. If it was easy, everyone would do it. It's not easy. Do it anyway. People always kill me about marriage. Marriage is hard. Yeah. Two different people from two different backgrounds coming together to be one? Yeah. It's hard. 
But anything worth having is worth working at. That's the problem. We've created a society that just expects everything to be given to us. And we're raising a generation that expects it even more. And it's not the kids' faults. It's the parents' fault. We forgot how hard we worked to get there. But kids in their 20s trying to take, get everything their parents had in their 40s. They wonder why the bills aren't lining up. Nobody wants to put in the work anymore. The opposition comes along. God called this ass and he was not going to be distracted by the beatings. I'm not good at much. But I have learned over the years to be real tough in this area. It's the number one thing people talk to me about on podcasts. It's the number one people want me to come to conferences and talk about. It's the number one thing that when people set out and they want to grab coffee every single time. How do you deal with blank opposition? I just learned a long time ago, no matter what I set out to do, whether no matter how good the intentions are behind it, people are going to criticize. I moved here to start a church 17 years ago that grew very quickly, and I'll never forget the first time we held baptism. In the Teasley Middle School parking lot, we baptized 37 people. We made a big deal out of the fact that we were going to baptize 37 people. And another church, I don't want to say it was another church, people from another church showed up at the entrance at Teasley Middle School with picket signs to boycott our church. I just learned early on, you can't please people. They're going to complain. They're going to whine. They're going to hate on you. Who cares? Like, why do I care that those people were so miserable? People message me all the time. I saw so-and-so writing this about you. I'm ready to fight. Why? Let them say it. Who cares? People come to me with ideas, I got this idea, and they almost start apologizing for their idea because they think someone's going to mock it or make fun of it or whatever. Who cares? It's your idea. Chase that dream, baby. Be the ass that God can use. Why would you ever take time out of pursuing your dream to deal with critics? That don't make sense to me. The ass knew God was speaking, and he didn't care who opposed it. It's a book full of opposition. Nehemiah went to rebuild the walls. Think about this. Nehemiah went back in the Old Testament to rebuild the walls, the walls of safety around the city. The Bible says the city was laying desolate. They couldn't even function because the enemies could attack from any way at any time. They couldn't have import and export because there was no walls, there was no safety. Nehemiah comes and he begins to rebuild the wall and the people begin to criticize him. That's my point. It doesn't matter how good your heart is and how good your vote is, they're going to criticize you. Remember, Sam Ballot came and said, Hey, let's meet! I want to discuss this with you. Three times, Nehemiah said, No, I'm doing a good work and I can't come down. He said, Why should the work stop while I come and deal with you? I'm just going to keep building. He rebuilt the wall and 52 days and changed that city. 
man. David had opposition. God comes along and calls David to be king. And his own brothers got jealous. Nobody would get jealous at you like family. Somebody just died backstage. They were amening so hard about family criticizing you that their heart stopped beating. So whatever band member's not up here, you know they passed away back there. His own brothers. God called Daniel. Daniel was mocked. Elijah had opposition. Moses had opposition. The religious leaders hated Jesus to the point that they crucified. You think we're going to be void of opposition? An ask ignores the opposition. In order to make a difference and do what God's called you to do, you have to be willing to fight past the opposition. It's funny, we've made some changes in our lives over the years and we do some things and people don't understand. It's funny, rarely will people come to me, family members, even. They'll go to Christine. Oh, well, that's Gary. What's he coming up with now? She used to try to explain it. I used to tell her, don't explain to them. Tell them we're doing what we feel caught. Now she just doesn't explain it anymore. She's finally learned. God can use an ass, but you can't convince an ass. Let them hate. I don't owe anybody an explanation on how I provide for my family. I don't owe anybody an explanation on the choices we make concerning our kids. I don't make any, I don't owe anybody an explanation on decisions we make as a family. If you don't like it, God bless you, but we don't really care. And people ask me, do you really not care? I really don't care. Some of y'all get in my comments on Facebook, and y'all start arguing with people. And man, I appreciate the heart behind but I'm always like, why? Let them talk. Let them not understand. I've already seen it. It happens every year. What kind of church has a tailgate party? I don't know. A church that... Man realizes God made awesome natural ingredients that make awesome natural alcohol, and that's the kind of God we serve. And it's a good gift. Shut up. Like, why criticize it? Just don't come to it. And last, and I'm done, we're going to get out of here. The ass was in tune with God. This is so important. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, verse 25, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, three times the angel of the Lord came, and Balaam didn't see it. But the ass did. Three times the angel of the Lord tried to stop Balaam, but Balaam was more worried about what he wanted to do than what God wanted to do through him. But the ass saw it. 
The ass was in tune. God was able to use the ass because even though he was an ass, the ass was looking out for God. Listen to me. Never underestimate the power of being in tune with God. It's one of the greatest things that you can ever do. Christine can tell by my demeanor where I'm at with God. I'm always an ass, but she can tell. She can tell if I'm reading my Bible only to find sermons or I'm in tune in the Word of God because I'm trying to feed myself. I'm about a little over a month getting up at 4 a.m. every day. I'm not saying you've got to get up at 4 a.m. every day. But it's changed my life. I get up and I'm not rushed. I get up and I go to the shower. I go take a shower. I go to the gym. Then I come home and shower. And then I go downstairs and I open up my Bible and I read my Bible. And I've been posting things God's speaking to me through that. I eat breakfast. But it's amazing how giving the first part of my day to God changes my day. It's amazing when something as simple as I'm blaring worship music throughout our house. And you know me, I'm not a huge worship music guy, but there's times you can just feel it. I'm like, let's have worship music play. And I'm in tune, focused on God. It's amazing how God uses me when my prayer life is what my prayer life ought to be. Now, I'm not going to lie to you, man. The tyranny of the urgency happens, and I, I, I can very quickly veer off course in those things. But I've been intentional about making time for those things. I was reading a thing the other day. I, I think Christine might have sent it to me, actually. And um, I remember, I'm going to tell you what, a little more too much about our sex life here, but we get so busy. And I, I told Christine early in our marriage, I said, maybe we ought to schedule a time. She's like, I'm not scheduling a time to have sex. Well, she did an article the other day that talked about the power of scheduling time. Life just happens. It just happens. You get busy. They talk about how couples who make time, basically it was saying you make what's important a priority. And in case you're married and didn't know sex is important, that's probably why your marriage is like it is. Because it sounds good in the early days, man. You're driving down the road and rip each other's clothes off while you're driving. Hey, the funny thing, we've got 732 kids now. They kind of frown on me ripping mom's clothes off in the front seat driving down the road. You say, what about when the kids are gone? See, used to be the kids would leave and then the couch and bam, chicka, wow, wow. Now the problem is bam, chicka, wow, wow. Next thing you know, a dog's licking my butthole or something. We got four dogs. And like, it just, so you got to plan it. It's horrible. What was the point of that? Oh, here's the point of it. Point of it. Here, I just want to tell the story, really. Here's the point of it. Here's the point of it. My relationship's important enough that we schedule it. You say, how do you schedule it? Well, the other day we had date, and I said, hey, we're having sex tonight. I didn't know when we were having sex. Now, she's a horn dog. She's like, good. Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. We had sex in the Sam's Club parking lot. That's where the mood hit. It was scheduled. I'm married. It is what it is. It was right by Dave and Sierra, so if we got arrested, I knew they'd get us out real quick. I was good to go. I was calculated in my scheduling. They say, why are you telling me this? Because here's why. There's a point to this. Jesus told parables. I'm going to get back to the parable of the story. A, a parable is a story with a biblical meaning. It's important for our relationship. 
It's important for your relationship with God to make time for God. If you just try to fit him in where you can, that's good preaching, boy, I tell you right now. If a white boy is doing it, that was good preaching. I got to tell a good story and turn it back to God. Ain't no other church in town talking like that today. Biblical truth! You gotta schedule your time with God. If you don't make God a priority, He won't be a priority in your life. And when you make God a priority, I, I, and I can't even describe this to you if you've never done it. When God is at the forefront of your life, it's just Your mindset is different. Your relationships are different. Your walk is different. I can't describe it if you've never experienced it. You're lost. Try it out sometime. Put God first. Get in this book. Say, I don't know how to start in this book. Bullcrap. I told you how to start in this book. Go to the book of Proverbs. It's in the Old Testament. Proverbs was written by the wisest man who ever lived. His name was Solomon. He passed wisdom down to his son in the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Whatever day of the month it is, read that chapter. I do it every single solitary day to this day. And I get something out of it all the time. You want to get past that? Go to the Gospels. That's the New Testament. Start reading the first four books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Or Jesus. You get past that and I'll show you some other places to go. Start with wisdom and start with Jesus. It ain't complicated. How long do I got to do it? I, just do it. It's not about how long. There's times I read that chapter in 60 seconds. There's times I stay in it for 30 minutes. You'll, you'll just learn the cravings will be there. Begin to pray to God. Begin to serve others. You're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. Something powerful about serving other people. Just get in tune with God. The ass was in tune with God. And God used him. The reason you're not being used has nothing to do with your past. The reason you're not being used by God has nothing to do with what you've done. Nothing to do with your education or your standing. Has everything to do with the fact that you're not available to be used. You're more worried about the criticism than you are God. And that you're simply not in tune with God. I'm going to close out 2022 just like this. Hey, assholes, God can use you. Let's pray.